This is the Frankly Daniel Show, and yes, I'm the Daniel in the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of our First Amendment rights. Thank you for joining me, and it's an honor to be here today with you. My show today is entitled, The Biden Trainwreck, and boy, it most certainly is one. If you have them, please, please put them on. Seatbelts, I'm talking about seatbelts. We're in for one heck of a wild and very loud ride today. I'm blistering mad. Oh, of course, I've been angry for at least the last 14 months about the phony stolen Biden presidency and his destructive neo-Marxist quasi-socialist administration. So yes, I've been mad before. But nothing like the last several days as I watch thousands of Ukrainians crushed crushed like grapes under the Russian boot. (laughs) Their lives stuffed out in seconds, in fractions of seconds, in neo-nanoseconds, if you will think of it. What, what if this was happening to you, to me, to us? Ukrainian babies, children, grandparents and great-grandmothers, great-grandfathers murdered in their Ukrainian homes? Please already. On their streets and in their grocery stores, in their parks and playgrounds, and in their makeshift bomb shelters? All on the bloody hands of a well-known ruthless Russian thug? One we just happen to still be doing business with? Please explain that, would you? But our hands aren't clean, no sir, no ma'am. Biden put us and the world in this bind, and we let him do it. The well-known joke about Joe, who's become a joke himself, is that Joe is terrible at foreign policy. Well, given the evidence of this past year, he's worse than foretold. And to think, during the Obama presidency, Joe Biden oversaw the country of Ukraine, Yes, President Obama put Joe in charge of overseeing Ukraine. What a number Joe and Hunter did on the Ukrainians, huh? So what's new with Joe Biden? Yeah, what's new with Joe? Well, now we know that he stinks to high heaven at domestic policy as well. But it's Joe's domestic war on fossil fuels that has crossed over into Joe's inability to to deal with foreign policy. And this lethal combination has created an ugly American mortal sin on the soul of our nation. No one voted for Biden to be such a bumbling ideologue, an idiot ideologue at that. Ukrainians are dying because of Biden's domestic war on our domestic oil and natural gas. Until now, we've been the only ones paying an ever-increasing economic price for Joe's hostile war on fossil fuels. I must have missed that campaign briefing from Joe's basement on how he was going to devastate our economy all in the name of global warming. Joe's been an inconvenient lie to date, and I, for one, resent his every move to rip down every positive thing Donald Trump did for this country. And energy independence was one of Trump's best achievements. The COVID-19 vaccines were also, but we all experienced the evil Joe created with those gifts. Oh, don't mistake me. Joe hasn't been alone in causing the worst land war on the European continent since the Second World War. But this Ukrainian slaughter is sickeningly evil, and we're tangled up in 
an expandingly ugly and possibly indelible bloodstain on our national soul. The radical progressive global warming terrorists have been with Joe, pushing Joe, keeping him in line with their perverted policies, which for now we can't stop, much less reverse. We can only pray that we get up off our butts and vote every Democrat out of office come November 8, 2022. We're not just paying more for energy at every corner of our energy-dependent lives. The brutal, bloody massacre in Ukraine, which our leadership has facilitated, should bring every American to their feet to rail against Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Charles Schumer, and the hapless Kamala Harris. Here's an illustrious example of our American public school educational system. Listen to Vice President Kamala Harris explain a very complicated geography lesson. If you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. There you have it in layman's language, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, No, Joe, Joe is never a leader, a liar, a plagiarizer, a hair sniffer, and many other things you you already know. But a courageous leader, (laughs) police. Oh, yes, the Europeans did their part in setting up this massive murderous event. Darn it, the holy tarnation already. Have you been watching these Ukrainians falling dead on the streets? The millions leaving their homes with the coat on their backs and a small, you carry it, suitcase or pack? They will likely never see their homes again or their belongings again. Think of it, if you had to walk out your front door with a coat and one backpack and nothing more? You may have money in your pocket, but if you're Ukrainian, you have no idea what your money's worth. What's a hyrivna? A hyrivna worth today? The hyrivna is the currency, or was their currency. As for the Europeans, especially the Germans, they arrogantly told Trump to take a hike during Trump's four years as president. The Germans were more than willing to believe and share the lie that Trump was a Russia lover, and a Putin stooge, a Russian collaborator, that Trump was beholding to Putin for Trump's surprise 2016 victory. But those of us who voted for Trump knew we were the reason Trump won. But where's the necessary evil in that simplistic storyline? Oh, by, by the way, I've been hearing news reports today that the Russians plan on executing captured Ukrainian civilians who were not in military uniforms when they were caught or surrendered. They plan on executing them in public squares. That is, those squares that don't have massive craters from exploding missiles or artillery shells. It's probably propaganda, but but who knows? The bombs, rockets, and shells leveling buildings, I can assure you, is quite real. In many ways, Ukraine is like Poland. I know Poland. My RN wife and I made official state visits to 38 different maternal and child health hospitals in 38 different Polish cities throughout the country in 1982 and 1983. We were part of a USA federal assistance program to Polish hospitals during 
their martial law incident in a Soviet crackdown on the Solidarity Labor Union movement then. The Poles hate the Russians. More exactly, they hate the Soviets, and Putin is most certainly a Soviet. The war crimes suffered by Poles and Jewish Poles and committed by the Germans during World War II, they're simply too nauseating to retell here. But the crimes committed by the Soviet occupation of Poland after the war are no less unforgivable. Every Eastern European nation, they all thought, wrongly so, that the end of the Cold War was the end of totalitarian despots preying on innocent civilians. Did we learn our lessons? Well, we may have, but our citizens here in America and in Europe have failed to teach our children about these evils, preferring instead to allow our woke educational systems to harp on mythical systemic racism and other evils and social theories toward the mass corruption of of young minds. Socialism and Marxism are now a social good, a positive, according to our woke leaders. The Ukrainians losing their lives today defending their homeland they can be added to more than 120 million people who are in their graves because of Marxist despots. Socialism works well until those running these evil Ponzi schemes run out of other people's money. Wealth redistribution plans crash as soon as those geese laying those golden eggs die. But I apologize for getting sidetracked. Back to the current evil and gross and deadly mismanagement by our corrupt political leaders. I'm reminded it's not really their fault they're corrupt and terrible decision-makers. It's our fault for voting them in. Of course, that's assuming we actually voted them into office and some machine didn't do it in our names. So, so when and where did this currently deadly misadventure begin? Well, let's start with Trump and the Europeans. Now, the Europeans told Trump they knew better about how to handle Vladimir Putin than than Trump did. I mean, after all, Trump was a sort of a novice aberration. What did Trump know about Europeans, their politics and their politicians? The Germans were so woke that they were the nation leading the green energy revolution. The Germans, like other green energy snobs in Europe, shut down all their nuclear plants. They terminated their coal fire plants and declared to the world that they were going all in. By 2030, they'd be practically a green energy nation. Hurrah! Trump tried to tell the Germans that by selling their souls to Putin, they were going to be dependent on Russian natural gas and that the winters in Germany were a terrible time to be without a reliable supplier. For instance, what if Putin started an economic war? What if he cut Germany off of gas or or threatened to, uh, just to buy their silence about something like invading another country? Sorry, sorry, I can't help myself, but I I still can't get my head around how we've all allowed Putin to do evil murder again. Uh, Apparently, Trump couldn't believe the Germans and that most European leaders sat back through one evil, deadly act after another but then decided they could still do business with Lucifer's acolyte on Earth. In 1999, Vladimir Putin ordered the complete, total destruction of the Chechen capital 
of Grozny. His Russian military laid waste to Grozny, killing tens of thousands of civilians. In Putin's own words, his troops, quote, fulfilled their task to the end. L- look it up. Go ahead, look it up on Google. Grozny, Chechnya, September 1999. And then in Georgia, and Crimea, and then in Syria. No, the, the Europeans, especially the Germans, they didn't want to hear anything about how to run their business from Donald Trump. Besides, they claimed uh, Putin's a rational businessman. Why would he turn off the gas? So Trump decided to broach another touchy subject. He told them, American taxpayers are fed up with carrying the lion's share of NATO's expenses. Their defense expenses, of course. The United States contributes 4.1% of our GDP, a massive GDP. We contribute that annually to the NATO defense expenses. Now, only nine other NATO countries out of a total of 30 nations pay at least 2%, 2% of their GDP annually into NATO. So Trump reminded Germany that their consistently paltry 1% contribution was just a little bit on the short side. He politely shared with them, and that is Trump-style politeness, of course, that if other nations, including Germany, the, rest, the richest nation in Europe, didn't start contributing their fair share, the United States was going to have to reconsider its membership. After all, why are we protecting these countries from Russia, who they want to do business with? It really doesn't make any sense. Germany's been a freeloader for years. However, now that America's back, as Joe Biden is fond of saying, all he cares about is that we're all friends, and friends don't really hassle each other about how much they contribute to their mutual national defense. You know, we station 45,000 troops in Germany and about 80,000 throughout Europe. Now, that total's gone up with all the troops deployed to Germany and Estonia and, and Laftia and other places. So, so Trump decided he was going to start bringing those troops home. But Germany didn't worry about that because Biden sent the troops right back in. Trump couldn't convince the Germans that paying to defend themselves from Russia while they continued to buy 40% of their energy from Russia, the only likely enemy of NATO, was a farce. And one day it would come back to bite and bite them hard and bite them deep. In the meantime, the Germans helped fund Putin's Nord Stream 2 the pipeline that would pump natural gas into Germany, bypassing Ukraine altogether. You know, all the, all the pipelines now come through Ukraine. This way, Russia nor Germany would have to pay Ukraine any transit fees for oil and natural gas flowing across their countries in various pipes. This, of course, meant that Putin could finish his warring reclamation of, of Ukraine because his oil and gas income stream wouldn't be affected by his land war in Ukraine. Germany was so set in their plan that they joined our progressive Democrats in shunning President Trump's advice and help. Trump, in America's interest, turned around and sanctioned the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, shutting down the project completely. That was a victory for us, and it should have stayed that way. The Germans resentfully agreed to build three natural gas docking stations for ships to transport and offload liquefied natural gas from America as a replacement for the gas that they wouldn't be uh, getting from Nord Stream 2. 
The day, as I have mentioned last week, the day Trump lost the 2020 election, Angela Merkel, the now former Chancellor of Germany, stopped the construction of all three docking stations, well knowing that Joe Biden was going to lift the sanctions on Nord Stream 2. This was the green light for Putin, of course. Biden lifted the sanctions in April of 2021. (laughs) Putin began sending hordes of troops to makeshift stations all along the northeast and southern boundaries of Ukraine on April of 2021. What a coincidence. In our intelligence agencies, they, they couldn't help but notice. By October, the buildup was unmistakable. But Joe, an inept Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, along with another affirmative action hire, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, decided to wait and wait and wait. And they eventually came up with this strategy, if then, if Putin does this, then we'll do that. That has turned out to be a massive mistake, and people are dead. Thousands of people are dead because of it. But can you blame them? These three were hopelessly consumed by their debacle in Afghanistan in August and September. This was another of their off-base predictions. There was no way the Taliban, they weren't going to take over the country before Joe's planned exit. Joe, Joe Biden. To this day, Joe takes no responsibility for that spectacular, deadly disaster in Afghanistan. But Putin, uh, Putin took notice. Uh, notice how Putin and Biden this last year are racking up an incredibly unforgivable death count. Uh, don't forget that Biden, who shamed Trump for the COVID dead on Trump's watch, has already superseded Trump's COVID deaths by more than 120,000. And if you think my slight of Secretary Lloyd Austin was below the belt to call him an affirmative action hire, let me remind you that Austin was specifically selected because he is black. After January 6th, the Biden handlers decided they needed a person of color to crack down on right-wing nationalists in the military, especially white supremacists. Yeah, we're all waiting for that report to Congress. The net-net Our military are now in critical race theory training. But let me back up to the afternoon of January 21, 2020. That's when Joe Biden began to fulfill his promise to the global warming radicals among the Democrat funders and the radical progressives in Congress. Joe shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. And with continued executive orders and other administrative state rules issued by the Secretary of Transportation, the Secretary of Energy, the Environmental Protection Agency, and other agencies, Joe declared open war on all fossil fuels. Now, if you want to know the truth, and I'm assuming you do, that's why you're listening to the Frankly Daniel Show, this is where inflation began. And this is where it will continue to be the biggest driver of inflation in the coming months and perhaps years. Yes, yes, yes. Inflation began with energy costs. Energy costs artificially increased because Joe cut us off. Joe's war on energy increased the cost of gas and began inflating the cost of everything necessary for fossil fuel energy, including the entire frigging supply chain. Joe said no more exploration and production of fossil fuels on government land. Cheers, cheers. Joe said no new leases. Cheers, cheers. Joe said stricter emission mandates. Cheers, cheers. And within the last year, 
We've gone from energy independence uh, to enviable energy dependence. We've gone from exporting energy to having to beg OPEC nations, including Russia. You know, Russia's an OPEC nation, to pump more oil. Why, why would we ask, why would we beg OPEC to pump more oil? You know, this begging part has been reported repeatedly in the press. This isn't any myth. There have been these calls and outreach to OPEC to increase production. You have to ask yourself, why? Why would we ask or beg? Because the commodities future markets saw the writing on the wall. And what was that writing? What was that message they all tuned into? America would continue to reduce its oil and natural gas production under a Democrat administration, at least for the next three to four years, and the price per barrel of oil would continue to soar upwards. Politically, Joe was nailing himself to his own inflation-creating charts. The only way to keep the radical anti-fossil fuel people in Congress happy was to continue to attack domestic energy production, and Joe's full steam ahead on that. The only way to lower inflation and improve his political standing with voters like you and me, if that was ever possible, was to get other countries to increase oil output, thus lowering the global market price. But OPEC's not stupid. I mean, have you ever studied supply and demand charts? OPEC has no incentive to pump more oil for less money. Oh, Lord. I'm, I'm surprised that I haven't seen this scenario described as the perfect storm in, in all the reports, because for sure it is, and the storm has hit and hit big. Biden and his radical Democrat party would like us to believe that they're not the same kind of totalitarians as some of the European leaders or Putin. They'd, they'd have us believe that if we gave them more power, they'd be benevolent autocrats. Oh, let me tell you, yes, COVID is disappearing now, but never forget the heavy-handedness of federal and state Democrats as they smugly shredded our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, and disposed of the remains in a wastebasket of public health politics. Yes, yes, they, they ordered us, uh, Americans, to comply against our wills, to bend to their false science, to their Fauci science. They claim to have domain over our wishes to live free of mandatory foreign substances in our bloodstreams. They ordered us to cover our faces so that we couldn't breathe the fresh air of freedom. Our Constitution allegedly guarantees. Instead, they accused everyone resisting their will of being an unpatriotic American and a possible homicidal perpetrator of death by COVID against our fellow Americans. Isn't this the same but to a far lesser degree than what's going on in, in, in Ukraine? Comply or we'll destroy your lives. They always tell us that they're playing to the greater good. According to Putin, he's saving Ukraine from fascism. He's there for the greater good, too. Yes, Putin, he's told all his Russian compatriots that their military is killing Ukrainians in order to denazify Ukraine. He's there because Ukrainians were allegedly forcing ethnic Russian Ukrainians to never speak Russian again. What an evil thought. Yes, Ukrainians were trying to snuff out the Russian language. But doesn't it, it make one curious as to why the Ukrainian president continues to address Ukrainians in both Ukrainian and Russian, which he speaks both fluently 
In fact, I think Russian may have been his first language. And as for the denazifying Ukraine, uh, President Zelensky is, he's a Jew who had three uncles murdered by Nazis in World War II. But we should shame Putin for his lies. Well, we, perhaps we shouldn't until we take a serious look here first. Yep, right here in the United States of America. After all, we are the global home to the first and most important amendment to our noble constitution. While Putin's claims are so much propaganda, we have a very active and real cancel culture, created, maintained, and applied by radical Democrats, progressives, and woke social and legacy media. But the Democrats have their big dog in the White House. That's what we should be concerned with. But this big, dumb dog, Joe Biden, he's a biter and a weak-minded dog at that. There's hardly any bark. And as for his bite, he's only tough on Americans. He can have his Department of Justice go after. In my opinion, the only thing Joe Biden is currently qualified to be is a patient or resident in a skilled nursing facility or an old folks home. To claim otherwise is moral folly. But no, I'm not going to get bogged down railing against our political and corrupt public health establishment. Yes, today, today, I'm going to talk about mass murder in Ukraine. I'm going to talk about our complicity in those lost lives. Let me correct myself. These aren't lost lives. These were stolen from the nation of Ukraine. Yes, I'm going to talk about Biden's rambling list of platitudes that he called his State of the Union speech. Frankly, our State of the Union is a disaster. So what did Newt Gingrich think about the speech? I, I thought it was really frightening after I watched the whole thing and thought about it for a while. Because either he knows he's lying, and so he goes and gives a speech the whole world's watching in the middle of a war, but he gives it anyway knowing it's a lie. Or he doesn't know he's lying which may be even more frightening. He may believe this stuff. I mean, I mean, he's, this, this is a guy who can't give a good speech under any circumstance. And as he gets older, the circumstances get smaller. Uh, so I mean, Biden's just not a very good speechmaker. I've looked over all the past State of the Union messages to Congress. For years, these updates were delivered to Congress in written form and not delivered by the nation's chief executive or given in his speech. By and far, Biden's 2022 State of the Union is the worst of the worst ones I came across. Well, it's about time to hear from Kamala or Kamala or Vice President Harris. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to take a break, a very short break, and then it's time to come right back because every day it's time to come back and hear the rest of the story. And do I have a lot of important information? You'll be happy you made the time to come back and hear. So hit the head, hit the fridge, and hurry right back. You know you're loved here on the Frankly Daniels Show, and I'm not kidding. It's time to rethink COVID disinfection. A study by Harvard, Drexel, and Virginia Tech concluded we don't have a single documented case of COVID transmission through surfaces. The reality is that COVID spreads mainly through the air. Shared air is the problem, not shared surfaces. The solution is the Genesis Fogger, which uses natural HOCL to disinfect both air and surfaces simultaneously. It's perfect for home or business. 
NIH says HOCL may well be the disinfectant of choice for coronaviruses. There's nothing more natural or more effective. Genesis fogs at the precise particle size to combat COVID and other harmful pathogens. It's what's missing from your disinfecting protocol. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash OUTLOUD. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Dr. Vladimir Zelenko knows a thing or two about the immune system. He was nominated for a Nobel Prize for his early COVID-19 treatments, and now he's offering his Z-Stack supplements to our listeners at a discount. Just go to zstacklife.com slash freedom. That's zstacklife.com slash freedom. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control label insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniels Show. Before the break, we were talking about how pathetic Joe Biden's State of the Union speech was. I had low expectations before Joe even got started on his speech last Tuesday, and Joe didn't disappoint me. Apart from his opening statements about Ukraine, the rest of the speech was a repackaging of destroy America, uh, the America we know and love, and, and somehow build it back better as a version of socialism or eventually into some form of totalitarian nation of American Marxists. Here's Ted Cruz's thoughts about the Biden speech. The 10th State of the Union that I've been on the floor of the House of Representatives to hear from the third different president. And this was the most out-of-the-touch State of the Union speech that I have ever heard. Biden went through a litany of acknowledging some of the problems we face in this country, but utterly denying any responsibility, any culpability for it. So he acknowledged galloping inflation, but didn't say a word about the trillions in spending and trillions of debt he rammed through that caused that inflation. He acknowledged gas prices are skyrocketing, but didn't say a word about the war on domestic energy production that his administration led. He, he acknowledged the need to secure our southern border, but didn't say a word about 
the failure of his administration to enforce the laws leading to the highest rate of illegal immigration in 61 years. On Ukraine, he acknowledged Russia's invasion, but didn't say a word about the disastrous weakness from his administration, the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, or his decision to waive sanctions on Russia on Putin's Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is what directly led to this invasion. On every issue, he was like Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. I see nothing, I hear nothing. With him, that may be right, but, but he denied any and all culpability. I know nothing, I see nothing, I say nothing! Nothing, 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 I know nothing about everything. I can assure you that that's the last moment of levity in today's program. But I couldn't resist uh, Ted Cruz's reference to Sergeant Schultz. Biden is the know-nothing and do-nothing-but-the-wrong-thing president. When confronted with controversy or dissent, Biden barks back and then suddenly either makes the wrong decision or triples down on his already boneheaded decision. And the questions, the questions always remain. Are these mistakes his mistakes, or are they those of the committee of puppet masters pulling Biden's very thin strings? Well, allow me to share with you now another commentator's opinion about Joe's State of the Union speech. This one goes to the heart of my angst with the Black Lives Matter push to divide Americans. Their push is in total concert with the progressive Democrats' divisive curse of identity politics. Here's a clip of a national commentator by the name of Charles Blow, B-L-O-W. What an appropriate last name. With his assessment of Joe Biden's colorless State of the Union speech. Uh, if you were paying attention, Biden not once mentioned black, black people, African Americans, Negro, anything in that speech. And that is, and I, I was kept thinking to myself, what a difference 300 days makes. When Biden gave his speech on the 100 anniversary, uh, 100th anniversary of him taking office, there was a huge section in there about speaking to, uh, quoting George Floyd's daughter, about my dad's gonna make history and really hammering home. I mean, I think his quote was, we have all seen the knee of injustice on the neck of black America. That is how strong that passage was in Biden's speech of two black people and about these issues supporting black people in the 100 day speech. Not one word in this speech, even when he was speaking about historically black college universities, he used the acronym. Uh, now that Joe Biden has come right out in favor of selective racism by excluding all other races, ethnicities, and sexes from competing for a seat on the Supreme Court, you you must ask, what's next? Will this embolden him to name only so-called people of color to all administrative posts? He's already done this with the vice president and see how well that has worked out. You should Look at the lineup of people he's already nominated to be federal judges. Go ahead and take the time. Go to YouTube or Rumble and, and watch Senators Ted Cruz, Joss Hawley, John Kennedy question these radical leftist candidates for lifetime appointments to the federal bench. There are women, 
and their people of color. Do I have a problem with that? Absolutely not. As long as it's in the fair market of talent and competition between all races, all sex, all ethnicities, all religions, all everything, as our Constitution brings us to embrace this particular very American value. So if you do go to look at these videos on YouTube, be sure, be sure to put your seatbelt on because I assure you, you're either going to fall out of your seat or pop up so fast you're likely to bang into the ceiling. But let's go ahead and talk about another worry for a minute or two. We have China to worry about, especially since Joe's not worried about it, and especially since Russia's new strategic alliance with the Chinese makes us have to worry about it. Vladimir Putin's willingness to accommodate Xi Jinping's request to delay invading Ukraine until after the Beijing Olympics is the starkest evidence yet the two nations are teaming up on the world stage. Last week, China took its first major step towards directly aiding Putin by lifting all wheat import restrictions on Russia. Then the government made a massive purchase of Russian-grown soybeans. Recently, Putin and Xi announced a no-limits partnership, working together economically, politically, and on national security. That means Russia in Ukraine and China in Taiwan. So far, the Biden administration hasn't pushed back. Now Chinese aircraft are buzzing Taiwan, and the Chinese Communist Party is baiting Washington. If the U.S. takes it as an opportunity to embolden the Taiwan Independence Force, this will only accelerate the destruction of the Taiwan Independence Forces, and the U.S. side will pay a heavy price. China is watching Russia's moves with a hawkeye. What they're saying is, okay, who's sending arms to Ukraine? Which companies are pulling out of Russia? What, how is the world reacting? There could be a domino effect the world can't afford. If Ukraine falls to Putin, it will set in motion dire consequences for us as a nation. Hear us now or at your own peril, believe us later and act too late. Acting too late has become the hallmark of Biden's foreign policy. But where actually is Joe Biden on China? Or better yet, where is China on Joe Biden? Biden okayed the Pentagon's release of U.S. intelligence, classified intelligence, about Russia's Ukrainian attack plans. He okayed the release of these to the Chinese military in hopes that China, what kind of hopes can you possibly have, hopes that China would somehow discourage Russia's full-scale Ukrainian attack. <laughs> what happened? Uh, we know now that the Chinese simply turned this information, this U.S. intelligence, this classified intelligence, over to Putin again. The key question is, why? Why did our president, our president of these United States, turn classified intelligence over to the Chinese? What do the Chinese have on Biden, on Hunter Biden, on Pelosi and other key Democrats? I mean, even Mitch McConnell's wife is neck deep, if not even further, in business with the Chinese. But once Putin conquers Ukraine, and it is a foregone conclusion, oh, there'll be guerrilla warfare, it'll be a hell of a, a, a mess for years to come, lots of death. But what's, what's, what's Putin's plan for Ukraine? 
We have new information about Putin's plans to insert a Vichy-style pro-Russian government in Kyiv. Western intelligence assesses that one of the leading names on Putin's shortlist of puppets is former Ukraine president Viktor Yanukovych, whom he tried to insert before. Yanukovych fled to Moscow in 2014 after he faced hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians in Maidan Square. Could you imagine something like this happening here? Can you imagine somebody being put in the presidency that 75 million Americans absolutely despise, particularly at this point after we've seen his performance? Could you imagine something like this in, in America, something that Putin is going to do in Ukraine? Well, 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 you don't have to imagine it because this is exactly what happened with the 2020 presidential elections right here. Isn't Joe Biden a puppet of the Democrats and not just any Democrats? I'm talking about our homegrown socialist and Marxist and radical progressives. You'd think that by now the radical progressive Democrats who run Joe Biden, who pull all of Joe's puppet strings, would realize that the nation is going to hell without a handbasket. We don't even have time for a handbasket. And that most Americans are well beyond noticing it and ever-increasing number of us are alarmed. Biden's approval rating is at a historic low of 37%. And the 37% that support him, I'm beginning to believe those are the same people on voter rolls that are listed as dead. Yet Joe says he's not worried about anything that's going on in Ukraine. These steps will help blunt gas prices here at home. But I know news about what's happening can seem alarming to all Americans. But I want you to know, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. When the history of this era is written, Putin's war in Ukraine will have left Russia weaker and the rest of the world stronger. At the end of this war, assuming there will be something called an end, there will be tens of thousands of Ukrainians, not stronger, but dead. Perhaps as many as five to six millions of Ukrainians will have fled to neighboring nations with nothing but the clothes on their dispirited bodies and humiliated souls. Of course Russia is a nuclear power, so we must remain hostage to Putin's nuclear arsenal. This looks so very, very, so very much like Hitler's conquest of Europe. No one wanted to pick a fight with a crazy man named Hitler, and because of that, Russia alone lost 20 million dead citizens it seems, even if we study history, we manage to choose leaders who are doomed to repeat it. This is political theater at its most deceitful. We're going to be okay. America is just going to be okay. This from a seriously addled, malfunctioning brain. Yes, the war in Ukraine is awful, and it's an awful distraction from what Democrats are really doing to America and Americans. And as Joe so cavalierly says, when the history of this era is written, Putin's war in Ukraine will have left Russia weaker and the rest of the world stronger. Did Joe forget that the history of this hellacious event has yet to be written? And if it is ever honestly written, he'll be a main reason that there was ever such a heinous, murderous massacre as a war in Ukraine by Putin. Joe sounds as if he's holding, holding up the Ukrainians as 
cannon fodder to weaken the Russians. Oh, way to go, Joe. If 10,000 Ukrainians must die in sacrifice, so be it. We'll be the stronger for it. Putin will be the weaker, and we can still enjoy all the oil and natural gas we need at perhaps $9 a gallon of gas. But at what moral price will we be paying to be stronger for it? And if we fail our moral obligations to humanity by standing by and watching outright murder, what then? I, for one, don't want to meet my Creator with nothing to show other than this broadcast in protest. Here's why we must mobilize and do something on our own. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and this administration are resigned to Putin winning. There's no resolve to win. There's no focus on how do we stop Putin from taking over and conquering Ukraine. What else do we need to take seriously, Senator? We need to be doing much more to provide military aid to Ukraine. My fellow Americans, we can do something. Call your senators, call your representatives, call your governor's office and tell them you want our government, be that federal and or state, to stop buying Russian oil. And tell them we don't want to, we don't want to buy any Iranian oil in its place. Tell your governors you want them to divest all state investment funds with ties, any ties to Russia. Sell them and ask them to make a public statement to that effect. I'm doing this. I don't expect it to cleanse my soul, but I'm going to sleep better knowing that I'm doing something within my power. Let's switch gears back to the state of our sorry union. When Joe Biden walked to the podium in the hallowed house chamber and placed his speech on the lectern, he thought he had just stepped on to the highest moral stage in the free world. There he was. Finally, after three tries, president of the powerful, at least once powerful, United States of America. But the truth, the truth is that Joe stepped and fell into a massive sinkhole of his own doing. While we're switching gears, I'm going to start with this clip and the only clip from Joe Biden's state of the disunion speech that I'm going to talk about. This clip is Joe talking about mental health, and it came toward the end of an hours-long droning on. There are literally scores of issues I have with Joe's laundry list of dishonest statements in this speech. However, in our remaining minutes together, there's one item in particular that got me up and out of my seat. Let's take on mental health, especially among our children whose lives and education have been turned upside down. American Rescue Plan gave schools money to hire teachers and help students make up for lost learning. I urge every parent to make sure your school, your school does just that. They have the money. We can all play a part. Sign up to be a tutor or a mentor. Children were also struggling before the pandemic, bullying, violence, trauma, and the harms of social media. We must hold social media platforms accountable for the national experiment they're conducting on our children for profits. Time to strengthen privacy protections. Ban targeted advertising to children. Demand tech companies stop collecting personal data on our children. And let's get all Americans the mental health services they need. More people can turn for help and full parity between physical and mental health care if we treat it that way in our insurance. I nearly went ballistic 
when I heard these words come out of our disconnected and disingenuous lifelong political liar, a.k.a. President Joe Biden. Let me take you through exactly what made me so mad, so, so damn angry. Joe blurted out, let's take on mental health, especially among our children, whose lives and education have been turned upside down. Who exactly turned those young lives upside down, Joe? Do you even know? It was your friends, Joe, among the woke school boards. It was your friends, Joe, in the woke political teachers' unions. What expertise do teacher union lawyers have in shutting down schools, Joe? What expertise do teacher union lawyers have in demanding children wear masks all day long at school, children who are never at serious risk of COVID-19? What right do woke school boards have in mandating, stifling, face masks, and scaring the ever-loving daylight out of children that if they didn't keep those damn masks on, or they they could be responsible for, uh, for the death or illness of one of their classmates. It was your politically corrupt CDC, Joe, that conspired with the teachers' unions to keep schools closed and keep those face masks on children as young as three years old in Head Start programs, Joe. Yes, what an oxymoronic phrase, Joe. Head start handicapped by a mandatory face mask. It was you, Joe, who called out our Republican governors that ordered schools to allow parents to decide on face masking their children. It was your Department of Gestapo Justice, Joe, that sued Republican governors who defied mandatory masking children with their own executive orders and legislation. It was you, Joe, who said any teacher or school board member suspended without pay for defying lawful governor's orders or state laws to give parents the choice to mask their children or not. You said, Joe, you said this, that you would pay those teachers and school board members with our federal tax dollars. Just who the hell do you think you are, Joe? Talk to me about mental health, will you, Joe? Teachers demanded to go to the head of the line of essential workers so they could be first to get vaccinated. Yes, we used to have a shortage of vaccines. You agreed, Joe, not because teachers are more essential than other essential lives or workers, but they are essential supporters and donors to Democrat campaigns. And the results, Joe? What were the results, Joe? Only 50% of the teachers went and got vaccinated. The other 50% never asked their union to demand they be first. In fact, just months ago, many female teachers were still resisting vaccination with an understudied, still experimental vaccine. No, I care less what your political FDA says, Joe. Your political FDA. Yes, your political FDA. Just like your political CDC and NIH, Joe. I don't care what they say about the safety of this vaccine, Joe. The New York Department of Health just released data concerning the drop in effectiveness of pediatric Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines over a six-week period. I don't know if you saw this, Joe. Over that period, two-dose vaccine protection against infection for kids ages 5 to 11 declined from 68% to 12%, and the vaccine's effectiveness at preventing hospitalizations dropped from 100% to 48%. This all happened in six weeks. Six weeks, Joe, for your vaunted vaccines for kids. Joe, you backed all school districts making student COVID vaccination mandatory for attendance at a public school that their tax dollars, not your federal tax dollars, fund. 
the larger question is should we be should we be subjecting our children especially the very young to this experimental vaccine given the extremely low incidence of serious covid infections in children in my last extensive look no healthy child has died from covid the near 440 pediatric deaths have been in children with serious comorbidities we've known two things for sure over the last 14 months of your and Anthony Fauci's co-presidency. First, COVID infections in children are not serious and they are nearly never fatal. Second, masks don't provide any meaningful protection in the pediatric population from coronaviruses. And here's the next thing Joe said. The American Rescue Plan gave schools money to hire teachers and help students make up for lost learning. So where are all those teachers woke school districts are hiring with all that borrowed and printed American Rescue money, Joe? Do you know? Teachers have left teaching in convoys. Yeah, convoys maybe 70 miles long. That's how many teachers are leaving. 97% of all major school districts have huge holes in their faculty labor forces. Teachers are fed up with the wokeness of woke school boards, woke teachers unions, woke administrators, and they're sick of the politics of it all. Most school districts can't even fill 50% of the required substitute teachers' rosters. And the vaccine mandates really hurt retention and recruitment, Joe. Comply and take the vaccine. Teach critical race theory. Be sure to help first and second graders understand that transgenderism is as normal as gay parents, as espoused by the LGBTQ activist community, and as normal as black one-parent families as espoused by Black Lives Matter. It's the politically right thing to do. Parents have no role in these matters of state responsibility. They have no rights to teach their children about race relations, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Thousands of teachers said... No thank you, Joe, to this immoral instructional mission. They said, I can get a job in the private sector with better pay and no politics. Or I can stay home and homeschool my children because I'm sure not sending them back to our public schools that in many cases have been closed for 700 days during this pandemic of yours, Joe. Now, Joe went on to say, I urge every parent to make sure your school, your school does get that, they, they get that money. Woke school districts use that money to hire critical race theory consultants, Joe. Many, too many woke school boards hired a consulting group owned and headed by your attorney general's son-in-law, Joe. I'm sure you must know that, right? These CRT firms were hired to conduct cultural and racial sensitivity surveys. The results of these slanted reports were then used by school boards to justify further development of CRT and social-emotional learning curricula, and teaching workshops, and teaching materials for teachers. How wonderful. Oak School Boards justified these expenses, and using the American Rescue Plan money, that borrowed money, Joe, claiming systemic racism is a public health emergency. Yes, a public health emergency. Well, they also purchased millions of dollars of library and classroom books normalizing sexual orientation and transgenderism. Furthermore, teachers' unions blocked testing of students in order to measure students' learning deficits to better target remediation. Why? Why did they block them? Why indeed? Students were struggling before the pandemic. Standardized 4th and 8th grade reading and math scores 
have been disgraceful for the last decade. And they, were, they weren't improving prior to the pandemic. If anything, they continued to decline. Joe said we could all play a part, sign up and be a tutor or a mentor. This is the same Joe Biden that unleashed the Gestapo Attorney General Merrick Garland to hunt down parents who voiced their concerns at woke school board meetings. Surely you haven't forgotten the infamous letter from the National Association of School Boards to the president that prompted the Department of Justice to mobilize the FBI and other federal anti-terrorism units to immediately respond. And then Joe went on to say students were also struggling before the pandemic. Bullying, violence, and trauma. If anything, Joe, you, the teachers' unions, your CDC, and woke-to-fight school boards and individual teachers who are into social equity and gender perversions, those are the bullies who inflicted all the psychological violence and trauma to our children, Joe. You enabled them, Joe. You enabled them with your American Rescue Plan and the political cover you've given them. And we're going to hold you personally responsible. 248 days until the midterm elections, Joe. 248 days. Well, the sands in our hourglass are nearly spent. Thank you for joining me today. And please keep the faith. We will prevail. Pray for the Ukrainians. I do every day. God bless you. And until next we meet, this is the Frankly Daniel Show.